I'm JR Butler, co-founder and CEO of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes and military veterans into becoming a professional salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. What's up, kid? Today on the show, we've got Dan Fantasia. Dan, how you doing? Good, JR. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So um, for a little bit of background, Dan, uh, Merchants of Change is, is a show that we started. You know, our audience is really new, new salespeople and, and people that are considering a career shift into sales. And our mission at Shift Group is to help elite athletes and military veterans become elite sales pro- professionals. So you know, I, I, I mentioned this before we started recording, but you're you're a legend in the recruiting space and you bring decades of experience in recruiting. So I was thinking that we focus on kind of helping all the candidates out there that are listening to this, um, you know, focus on on how we can help them breaking break into sales. Does it sound like a good plan? Yeah, I love it. I love what you guys are doing. Just JR, it's just absolutely awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I really, the way I think about it is I started the company for myself at two points in my career when I lost hockey and, and when I was trying to hire salespeople, which is the <laughs> hardest, the hardest part about being sales leadership that they don't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's so true, right? You get, you get into the role and you're like, all right, I'm just going to hire a whole bunch of great salespeople. And then you figure out, wait a second, this is a lot of work, man. This is hard. This is hard. hundred percent, hundred percent. So Let's start with you, Dan. Like, how did you um, how did you get your start start in sales? Were there other careers that you explored? No. <laughs> you know what, Jr. You know, listen. I I, I graduated college, uh, and then I went. I, I lived in a van with a buddy. We we ski. We were ski bums. And when I and it was awesome, by the way, best experience of my life. Um, taught me a lot about myself and, and whatever. But then I came back, and market was tough. Um, a lot more challenging than it is today. Although today it's a different market, and uh, I I just needed to get a job. I needed to work. I worked night shifts, and then because of my work ethic and my drive, slowly I kept getting promoted, and they moved me into a sales role, and then ultimately a GM role. And that's when I figured out, hey, I'm pretty good at this, mostly because of the grit and work ethic. I'm just a worker. Um, but the model didn't work for me, so I went to a search firm. I had no idea what the search firm, you know, I, didn't, I had no idea what was going to happen when I went to the search firm. And uh, I was looking at sales opportunities and they said, hey, before you consider any of these positions, you know, talk to us. What about recruiting? And, you know, the rest is history. That's awesome. I, I can relate to your story, by the way. I entered the job market in 07, 08 with a, yeah. with a sociology major and a minor <laughs> in art history. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I should have known I was going to be a sales guy, but I kind of, I kind of tripped and fell into it just like you. Um, now you, so you got into the staffing and recruiting business and then you transitioned and, and you started to run your own business. Um, yeah. what, what like prompted you to go out on your own initially? Uh, why well, I loved the company I was at. I was a top rep. I was a youngest managing partner, had a lot of success, but the model was starting to break JR. And, um, 
I, I just thought it was time to, to leave and start a company and build a little bit of a different culture. You know, the culture we were in was uh, becoming cutthroat. It was 100% commission, which was fine by me. I, I was hugely successful, but uh, that drives different behaviors. And those behaviors started to come out over time. And so that's why I started Treeline. I really started Treeline to build an organization where we could love the work we do and, you know, the people we work with. and. Uh, and it's been a you know tremendous success. Is is treeline a skiing term, by the way? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> above right. You got to get above the treeline. When I was in when I was in Wyoming, every Tuesday was Big Air Day. It was four of us would go out. We we're in our twenties, always doing something stupid. But it was always that intensity. Get above the treeline where no one else could be. Everyone was too scared or not in shape enough. And then you know, next thing you know, we're launching off cliffs, and you know. One guy goes like, "Oh man, now I gotta go." Yeah. <laughs> oh man, did he do that? What did he do that for? And then you go, oh, "All right, here we go." I love so, that. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I, I never put two and two together. Now it makes complete sense. So, tell me, uh, I, I've been through this now. I'm 19 months into my entrepreneurial journey. Um, was it immediate success, or was there a little bit of grind there at the beginning? Yeah, it was. It was all grind and it still is. You know, I think the, uh, you know, when you're talking to your audience, um, these uh, individuals that are athletes, um, military, I think the, the big thing is it's grit and then it's consistency for the long term. And the long term, and you know this, JR, right? You think the long term is like, what's the long term? A year? Two years? Now? Uh, we've been in business for almost 23. So you've got to be able to grind. And I don't want to be depressing because I actually enjoy it. But you've got to have the mentality to grind for the long term. And the long term is not six months. It's not a season. It is, it is years. And so you have to find a way to be able to grind, hold yourself accountable, and put a positive spin on it. I'm looking at you, dude. You're so happy. Like you, you enjoy life. You work hard. You're successful but you can enjoy it. And so the long run, the long term is years. It's not being number one for one year. It's being number one for five or 10 years. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta hang in there and stick it out. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think uh, that long term view is it's, it's hard at the beginning because at the beginning, that's when it's the hardest in sales. So you've got to, that's one of the reasons we focus on the population we do because they can have that like delayed gratification a little bit. Yeah. Um, how, how much of your CEO job now though, how much are you still doing sales? Oh, I'm still selling. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have a business coach and uh, it took me a long time to get one by the way, uh, but it's one of the best things I ever did. And uh you know, for a guy like me, for a guy like you, for a lot of CEOs, I think um, working, it's a tough shift from working in the business to working on the business. And um, so, you know, to, to let go uh, takes a lot of practice and time and belief in, in your team. Yeah. And so um, now I work, I, I work more on the business, but man, I, I can't stop selling. It's just, I got to be doing it. I also think like in your, in your position at a big company, 
like even the the little interactions you have are are internally are still sales. You're still selling. You're still like motivating, convincing, oh, yeah. and persuading people to take an action that you know is the right action for the business. You know what I mean? The other thing too, Jr. I don't know how you feel about this, but you have to have a finger on the pulse. Like business changes, sellings change. I mean, when when I started the company 22 years ago. I mean, the whole model, so much has changed. And if you don't have a finger on the pulse and you're not engaged or somewhat involved, then you you don't have a feeling of how to steer the ship. I mean, you, you just you need to be engaged if because if you're not, you'll lose touch and the market may pivot in a direction while your company's still going straight until you, you know, you fail. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just my belief is you got to you got to be part of it. hundred um, percent. Now. I guess like taking a step back, thinking about sales as a whole, as a whole, if you were going to like publish a Dan Fantasia sales playbook, what would be some of the like more important topics in that book? Like some of your core beliefs about sales? Uh, grit, grit and resi- resilience, right? You, you just have to have it. You know, you need to have it in life, but to be a top producer, you need to have it in sales. Um, you, you have. I think you have to be a worker. There's a lot there, right? I'm not saying, you know, crack the whip. I mean, you need to be just a worker. You need, regardless of the work itself, you need to uh, be a worker that's accountable for everything you do. Your metrics, closing business, accountability, uh, consistency, like we had mentioned before, from sales is up and down. You need to figure out how to be consistent. And that is emotionally, that is work ethic, that is KPIs, that is everything. You need to be a consistent player, positively charged, ready to go. And then lastly, uh, this took me a long time, JR, uh, belief. You need to believe that you can do it. I, I try to tell my kids this all the time, and they just, you know, they just, just <laughs> swat me away. But you need to believe, like, you have to believe in yourself. I, I started the recruiting, I was the, I was the, I was the worst on the team. I was literally the worst on the team and until my CEO whacked me a little bit. And it's like, listen, you got to get going. Um, <laughs> and every day on the way to work, on the way home, even though I wasn't the number one producer, I said to myself, I'm going to be the number one producer. And it took me a long time to believe it because I had to prove it to myself and do it to find that success. So I, I, I like another one. I love that you're just emphasizing this like grit and resilience because it's funny, like, and maybe you've noticed this too. Like we went almost like too far over where like sales got, especially technology sales, it started to get this reputation of like, oh, you can go do it for like 30 hours a week and make $200,000 a year. And I used to like, used to like my blood would boil because like, I'm like, no, no, you can't. Like that's not like that's not how it works. It's yeah. You, you, there might be a couple easy quarters, easy years, but like over the long term, it is going to be a grind, and and you've got to be okay with signing up for that. If not, sales is not for you, straight up, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. I mean, you have the same mentality that I have. Well, most top producers, right? You're. Um, I remember when I left. I left Diversified, and I just started Treeline. It was by myself. I was in an office, suit and tie every day by myself. <laughs> I was showing up. The name of the company is Treeline. Everyone thought I was a landscaping company when I was calling the 
corporate America. So it was, I was like, oh, crap, did I screw this up? This is not a good brand. But I was like, ah, it's what I believe in, so I'm going to do it. But my, the CEO said, I said, I don't know. You know, I left. I said, I don't know, dude. Maybe I'll make it. Maybe I won't. And he, I remember him looking at me and saying, oh, you'll make it. And he, he, by the way, awesome guy, still a good friend of mine. Uh, he said, you'll make it. He goes, you're too scared to fail, right? You're too scared to fail. You're going to do whatever it takes to succeed. And, uh, and that's <clears throat> how I am today. No matter how good the month is, uh, I'm, you know, you know, you ever see, you ever seen those reps? They have a great month and boom, they take their foot off the gas. And then what happens next? Right. Boom. They, you know, they are, they have a big month, then a low month. And so when we talk about consistency in sales, we're looking for a consistency that is straight, even and, and growing. And so I was always, it sounds like you too. I was always like paranoid, like, all right, this is a good month. I'm going to have a better month. No, it was constantly like build pipeline, make things happen, get it done. Don't worry about what you did. Keep thinking about the next month and being a top producer and never taking any of it for granted. hundred percent. We talk a lot, like, like my whole thing is like, everybody loves to win. There isn't a, a person in the world that doesn't want to go ring the bell. The people that you see become high performers over the long term are the people that hate to lose. They have that fear of failure that you're talking about. And, and that's like, that's like the number one indicator of like, all right, this, this, this person has what it takes for sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You probably have a ton of people because of what Treeline does. You probably have a lot of folks come to you and say, you know, uh, Dan, I, I think I, I want to be a salesperson. What, what kind of questions do you ask? people and, 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 and I imagine like even younger people, like what are the questions you're asking them and, and what do you think you're listening for that is like immediate like disqualification? Like, ah, I don't think you should be a salesperson. Yeah. A lot of times I, I just want to, <clears throat> I just try to get an understanding of what, the, you know, what their understanding of sales is. Sometimes um, uh, if it's a, you know, a, a co recent college graduate, or even with a year of experience, not in sales, but some kind of business experience. Um, they might think that they're social and they're great with people and sales seems awesome and that's where you make the big money and I think I'd be good at it. So I first try to figure that out. And if that's their perspective, I try to stop them almost immediately in their tracks and educate them that that is not really what sales is. And sales is... It is a ton of rejection, a ton of rejection. And so I really try to figure out from them, you know, what have they accomplished? Like, what are they proud of? Because when you look at a recent college graduate's resume, a lot of times the most important accomplishments in their life is not on the resume because they're thinking about the painting company they worked at or the, the ice cream place they worked at, right? They, they look at you and they say, well, I don't really have any experience. It's like, well, hold on a second. I'm looking for your personality characteristics. Talk to me about your accomplishments. Like, what are you proud of? And I don't care if, if are you proud because you started working at a, um, at 16 years old at the pizza place and you used to ride your bike there every day. Awesome. Like, what are you proud? Are you proud that you made the, you know, uh, the field hockey team? And it's because you weren't the most talented person, but because you worked your butt off every day to get on that team. Great. Like small accomplishments that aren't seen on a resume, but describe your personality characteristics. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like I'm, I'm trying to understand 
what do you think is important in your life? What are you proud of? What makes you an individual? And then once I understand those things, I can help a person tell their story. And when they start to realize these small things that they always thought were insignificant are actually the most important part of their resume and who they are, then they really start to understand their story. They build confidence. They find motivation. And now when they sit down in the interview, they can, they can really talk uh, comfortably about themselves and their accomplishments. I dude, that is so awesome. You know what my favorite, when I was a VP of sales and a CRO, my favorite question to ask, especially entry-level candidates was, I wouldn't even look at their resume. I would say, tell me what you are most proud of that isn't on your resume. That was it, my favorite interview question. I can't believe you just said that. That's awesome. I, I was just saying that, right? That's cool. Love yes. that. Yeah. Love that. Somebody asked me that one time and I was like, wow, that's a really good question. Yeah. What, and most of them don't know. I mean, they just, they haven't even had a chance to think about it. They don't even know. So. I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, so, so let's, let's, let's dig on that a little bit. The, the interview, right? Um, it is a sales process. That's what we tell our, our kids is like, listen, you, you gotta, you gotta work through this process and you gotta be prepared. What are a couple, a couple of the things in, 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 you know, your long career in recruiting? What are some of the guaranteed things that like a hiring manager or a VP of sales might ask during the interview process, in your opinion? All right. I, uh, I'll tell you, and I'm gonna, I, I could pull my hair out on this one because it's so simple. Um, we, did a, we did a survey with CROs, and the two most important questions that always come up is, uh, what is, what did our company do? And why do you think you're a good fit? And I can tell, <clears throat> I could talk to sales folks or uh, entry-level individuals and tell them, this is going to happen. What is the company doing? Why are you a good fit? So you've got to study the company. And it is amazing how many people don't do something so simple. I can tell you, if what do you know about the company and why are you a good fit? And I have a, I have a VP that will be like, dude, nope, 10 minutes, didn't know anything about the company. And had no idea why they would be a good fit. And so it is, you know, if you want to get serious about your career, then, um, you know, focus on these, you know, these important, you know, success factors. Study the company. Figure out why you think you're a good fit. Look at the job description. Do a little bit, just a little bit of research. Look up the VP or whoever you're interviewing with online. Look at their LinkedIn. Where are they from? What did they, where did they go to college? What sports did they play? What did they recently post? Find some common interests, but do a little bit of research, put a little time into it. Uh, otherwise you're just going to get bounced. And, and, and by the way, like rightfully so you should get bounced because they're going to hire you as a salesperson and you're going to go into a sales meeting and not do research on the company you're meeting right. with. And guess what? They're going to, they're going to be like, get the hell out of my office. Like <laughs> right. it's the same, it's the same thing. Like, what are we talking about? Right. It's, it yeah. is crazy. I remember having people interview me or, or me interview them. And, and like, you could tell they're asking me stuff that you can Google. How many employees yeah. do you have? Where's yeah. your head? I'm like, why? Like, wh that's not why I'm here. Right. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not acceptable for you to be asking me these questions. The, the, other thing, the other thing too, is like follow up for crying out loud. Like, yes. You know what? Like, I, I know communication is different. Could be maybe you're used to text, maybe it's Snapchat, whatever. Maybe it's probably not email, um, but follow up with email, connect with people on LinkedIn, send them a thank you note, you know, be persistent, 
Um, right. Just, just do the basic human decent communications, right? That's it. Just communicate. Don't disappear because that's not good. No, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I actually just had a call last night with one of our, one of our customers and the, and the, and the VP, I, I, I used to work with him back in the day at EMC. Yeah. And he's like, JR, he's like, I love this kid. I love him. I want to hire him, but he hasn't sent me a follow up note. It's been a week. And I'm, and of course, Dan, like you can imagine how pissed I am because we have an entire course that this kid took about follow up emails. And I'm like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, this is ridiculous. Um, it's, it's, it's brutal. And, and I do think, so like, you know, just to give them a little bit of credit, right? You're a, you're a new, new college grad and you're interviewing at like a, a technology company. Like that's, that's intimidating. It's, it's cause you're in your head, you're thinking, I need, I need to like memorize what this company does. And maybe it's like some cloud infrastructure optimization thing. And the only thing you know about the cloud is iTunes. Like you don't even know <laughs> where to start. So it's, it's like, you know, it's like my dad used to tell me before every hockey game, keep it simple, stupid, like, like get a couple nuggets. And the way I think, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. When kids ask me, like, what do I need to know about the company? I'm like, you need to be able to explain what the company does to like a fourth grader. If, cause that's true. That's true. Understanding. Like don't yeah. memorize their hook on LinkedIn. Like, you know, just be able to explain it to a fourth grader and that's enough for a BDR job. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And, um, be humble. You, you don't, you, we know you don't know everything. It's the effort, right? When you were a VP, you're looking, all right, he, you know, he or she tried. They're doing their best. And, and you might say, I, I don't know it all, but let me explain to you what I understand. And you can tell me if I've, if I have it correct or not right? You don't have to be an expert. You don't work for the company yet, but you should do your research. At least try. Put your best foot forward. Yeah. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like that question of like, what, like your, your second one, which is the most common question is why are you a good fit? And I think it's partially, especially in an entry level, it's partially about why are you a good fit for the company? But they also want to know, like, this is your first job. Why are you a good fit for sales? Like, it's not just about the company. It's like there, because this is the, this is the profession with the highest attrition in the world by three X. So if you don't have a very good reason why you think you're well-suited for sales, that they're going to, it's going to be tough for them to take even a small bet on you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yep. hundred percent. Um, the, we, we always, we prep our candidates on, uh, three core questions, which is, why do you want to do sales? Why do you think you're a good fit for sales? And why do you want to do it at this company? Those are like, those are like, they're hammered into our candidates' heads from like the jump. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I mean, you guys are doing great stuff, JR, right? I mean, you're, you know, the more people we can get into the sales profession, the better. And what you're doing to coaching, training, teaching these, you know, first time salespeople, right? These uh, recent college graduates. I mean, it's awesome. We call it, we have a goal. It's called, uh, we, we believe in changing lives. And you guys are doing the same thing, man. I mean, you're really adding a ton of value to the entire sales community. And the more great salespeople you introduce to it, the better it is for everyone. 
I just think, Dan, because of what, because of like the free interest rate economy and the, and the cash that entered, especially the tech market specifically, um, a lot of people got into sales to do, to do a sales job. And we need more people that get into sales to, to, to do it as a profession, as a career. Yeah. And there's a difference there. You know what I'm saying? It, it goes both ways, though, too, right? And I don't know what your thoughts, but it is just as much the company's responsibility to hire, train, and, uh, you know, give newbies a good experience, a sustainable experience where they can grow and they can take it to the next level. When companies just throw salespeople at the market and, you know, just beat them to death, we loot, we, the attrition, JR, we, you and I work so hard to build and keep a sales community together and companies are just tearing people up. And once you burn someone out, once you give them a bad experience, they're, they're never coming back. Yeah. They just don't come back. So, you know, yeah. you know, so that is, it, I, I do think the companies are just as responsible to retain these people and show them how to be a good salesperson, how to get it done and really coach them up. I agree. I agree. I, I think the, the most important characteristic that we tell our candidates to look for is, is the leadership, the internal leadership. Because like, you know, you could go down the rabbit hole of big company versus small company and all these things. But like, you know, I, I, I started at a really small company, but be, I had leaders that were dedicated to my, my training and development. And that's all that mattered. I didn't need to go into like a big program where it was like six month onboarding. It really comes down to like the individuals that, that are going to be responsible for your growth and development. Totally. Yep. Um, the, the fourth kind of pillar for us on the interviewing side is about, you know, and you said this, like helping people craft their story. Um, and obviously the candidates we work with have like really unique backgrounds in the fact that they, they played sports at the college level or higher, or they, they served in the military, which, you know, is, is, there's there's a lot of nuggets that you can pull from there. Um, if we brought you into like guest lecture a session, what's a piece piece of coaching you might offer our athletes and veterans to think about when they craft their story? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think the first thing is to uh, well, I I would say feel comfortable about your story, like proud of your story, right? Um, it's so funny. I'll sit down and talk to a person. I'll really learn their background. And, you know, they'll say, oh, look at me. I was a ski bum, right? I left right out of college. I was, <clears throat> I, I lived in a van and we, you know, we peeled logs and then I worked for Jackson O Ski Hole, right? Ski Corp, right? But I never looked back and said, yeah, you know, when, my, when I came back, I didn't, look, I didn't look at that experience and say, yeah, well, you know what? I took some time off and I went, you know, I was a ski bum. Uh, you know, instead, I, the, the story is you need to be proud of you and your story. And your, I consider this a huge accomplishment. I had, we had no money. We, we peeled logs because I needed to make money and we had no jobs. Like, that's what it was. We built logs, right? It was all the experiences. It, we did whatever it took to succeed and live that lifestyle. And then we came back. So embrace yourself. Embrace your story. Speak about yourself in confidence because you feel comfortable about the decisions and the choices you've made. If you can't and you have doubt about those decisions, 
And then the first thing I know, you know, JR, if you were interviewing a person, if I were interviewing a person, I'd, I'd be concerned immediately and I'd find those weaknesses. And then you'd end up picking apart the weakness. And instead of talking about all your strengths, you're spending all this time talking about something that, you know, was, was really a strength, but ends up being a weakness. Totally. So I, I, I don't know if that if I articulated that well, JR, but th- th- that, that's my thought. It is, it's, it, you, you articulated it very well. I, I mean, I, I relate to that in a, in a way that like, so I'm, I'm sober. Uh, I've been sober for almost 12 years and I struggled like really, really hard with drugs and alcohol. But because I, I've, I've got positive self-talk and a, and a positive vision of myself that like those dark times, I, I speak of very positively and the experience of getting sober. That's like, that's like part of who I am in my DNA, right? Like, so. You've got to you've got to look at all the trials, all the tribulations, the, even the bad decisions that you make. You've got to look at it in a way where it makes you who you are, and that's meaningful, and that's powerful, and it's positive, right? Yeah, I love that, man. It is. It takes a lot of guts, right? It takes a lot of guts to to find. I don't know. Don't you think? I mean, it yes. takes a lot of t- guts sometimes to find yourself, and yeah, like uh, these these. Um, as college grads, these veterans, they're lucky to find you because you can help them find that message, help them build belief. And then all of a sudden, I'm sure they look and go, oh, my God, dude, thank you for helping me with figuring this out. I get it. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Put me in front of some companies. Yeah. Brett, mission, you know, I always tell my team it's it's like we're we're a mission mission driven organization, but we're still it's mission and margin. We're not a 501c3 <laughs> mission and margin mission and I love margin. That. Yeah, <laughs> but but you are you're 100 percent right. The best part about it is the the notes we get after after they've been settled into their new role, and they're like, "Wow, I'm so glad I found this." Um, I I think that you're like me in this, but I'm 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 kind of rolling the dice here. What's your position, especially for early stage sellers, on in office versus remote? That these are for people that are brand new to sales. And new to sales, I. I hate to say it, but uh, in office, uh, you just need you need it. You just need it. Um, you just don't have enough. <clears throat> you need you know you need everything. You need ev- you need the support around you. You need to hear. You need to hear the positioning, the pitches, the successes. Uh, sm- you know, small wins, whether it's yours or your someone next to you, is a win. Like all of that's helpful. And then in time, as you mature you can consider different environments. Uh, but I think at the beginning, it's a good way to get started. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's osmosis, man. Like especially, you know, this, this next generation, they grew up like, I'm a big believer. Like this generation is lazy. I think that's, I think that's lazy to say that. I think it's bullshit. I think it's different. Every person is different. Um, but to ignore the fact that they they grew up different, they consume content different, they learn differently is is I think I- ignorant. Um, these kids need to get into an office setting and and just learn how to be a human for the yeah. most part. Like the little things of like what what to wear, what not to wear, how to act, yeah. how to talk. Like yeah. that's stuff that you're not going to learn sitting in your living room in Southie making cold calls. Like it's just not going to happen. <clears throat> no, no. I mean, we you know. So we're, we're virtual now. We had a, but we had a bullpen in Wakefield for what? 
eight, 19 years. I mean, talk about rah, rah. I mean, we had, <clears throat> it was a madhouse, right? We just, it was it's so fun ringing the bell, you know, awesome. We never thought actually we could go remote, but COVID changed that. Yeah. Um, but we, we could hire people and we could coach them up and we could teach them. Yeah. Uh, with a virtual environment, we don't hire the same as we used to. We just, right. I don't, I can't be, you learn so much, you absorb so much from an environment like that. And I, I just can't hire college grads anymore because um, I, I just don't have the environment to support it. No, no. Um, and that's, and that's, you know, that's fair. Right. Um, so let's talk about the, a candidate goes in, right. Runs an effective pro this happens to us all the time. Cause we don't mostly, we mostly don't do exclusive agreements with any of our hiring partners. So usually, especially the, the top tier kind of five-star recruit kids, they're going to end up with two or three offers. Um, how would, how do you coach those types of candidates on like how they should pick a company? What, what should they, what should they care about? Because we get, dude, we get literally these kids get wrapped around the axle on 5k and I'm like, you're not, you're not thinking about the right things. What should they be thinking about, Dan? Oh yeah, dude, I'm with you. Not money, not money. I think, you know, you and I just talked about this. We've been through it. We've seen, we've seen recent college grads get into environments, get torn up, spit out. No matter how tough they think they are, they get spit out, bad culture, bad environment, and they never come back. So don't go for the biggest comp plan. Find the right culture, the right coach, the right mentor. Find something where you can sustain a career. I mean, you know, JR, do, do, do you and I care about W-2s at this point? Not necessarily. It's not important. We care that you stuck it out, that you were at a company for two, three, four years, that you saw progression and growth. Like, money will come. Right. You started your own business. Were you rich day one? Right. I mean, do you crush it immediately? I started Treeline. You got to suck it up. It's the, if it's the right move for you, uh, the money will come over time, but find the right culture, the right, right environment, the, the right team, and you'll be successful. Totally. It's like you find that right culture, the right coach, and you're consistent. Guess what happens in two or three years? Now yeah. you're. You're, you're paying off your loans, you're buying new cars, you're getting a place like it's it that just happens. Um, and it's not because you signed the agreement that was 5k higher OTE. Like that's not why it happens. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, that, that you're giving solid advice. It's just you want to be in the game, right? The profession. And you mentioned this earlier. So make sure you pick the, the opportunity that's going to give you the best shot of building a profession and a career. Totally. Totally. Um, so Dan, these are, uh, we're, we're coming to the end here. These are the, the closing two questions. We ask every guest these two questions. If we asked you to highlight one of your skills that's, that's really made you elite in your career, what is it? Uh, my consistent work ethic. I'm just a worker. Yeah, I just work. And, and you know what? <clears throat> If you look at a lot of top performers, same thing. They just work. Regardless of the work itself, I don't care how tough it is, how bad it is, how much I like it. I just work. I'm working no matter what. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, last question. So people always ask me, Dan, why, why do you guys just focus on athletes and veterans? And, and part of it's, you know, my own experience coming out of hockey. And, and you know, I come from a military family. Um, 
But I also like my belief is that these folks have like this unique ability where they've they've been we call it dialed in. They've been dialed in before. Like they've had and the way I defined it is like they've had a purpose. That purpose makes it really easy for them to get passionate about becoming excellent at hard things. And because of that passion, they're okay with practicing and being bad and getting better. Um, so, you know, when we talk about, when we, we talk to a new VP of sales and he's, and he's interviewing with a kid, the, the highest kind of um, praise that we can give one of our candidates is like, I'll say to the, the, the VP, I'll be like, hey, this kid is dialed in. Um, so to land the plane, what does being dialed in, what does that mean to you when you describe a sales professional as dialed in? Yeah, I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's, um, it's a, it's a, it's a drive, and, but it's accountable, right? It's a driven individual that's accountable. And because of their accountability, they're consistent, right? There's, there's a million different selling environments, a million different sales personalities. There's a million different teams and coaches. Think about yourself growing up and all the different teams you had, right? No matter what, when someone's dialed in, regardless of the, uh, the team or the, the coach, whatever, they, they will still, and I'm not saying they're going to stay, but they will still focus. They'll have the drive, the accountability, and the consistency to be a top producer, regardless of the team. They're not complaining about people. They have that same positive attitude and consistency to play well in their game, to crush it on the sales team, regardless of the, the product they're selling or the environment. I mean, they just, they have those basic personality fundamentals that make them successful no matter what they do or where they go. Totally, totally. And, 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 and we're seeing the cream rise to the top on that in the last like 18 months as the market kind of turned down, money wasn't free. And now like every, every purchase that a company makes is, is getting, getting like all the way to the CFO's desk, even like a credit card swipe. So like, if you're not dialed in, you're probably going to be looking for a teaching job pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) You you know what? Are you still right? I mean, I know we're coming to the end, but um, the market's changed. you know, a year ago, a year and a half ago, you could put your resume online as a BDR and get scooped up in a million different places. Now you have to work. I mean, this is a, the, a regular job market. You're going to have to work hard to get your foot in the door and uh, get an opportunity. And yep. so you're going to need all those things we've talked about, about being a talented salesperson. Well, just imagine this is your first sales job. Your job is to sell yourself into a company, right? So you're going to need all of those things we just talked about. You're going to have to work hard to get your foot in the door and get a shot at it. Totally. Totally. Dan, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is going to be a great hashtag required listening right here. Thank you so much, Dan. Oh, thanks, man. JI, this is awesome. You're awesome, man. I really appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, so I'm thankful and appreciative. Thank you. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io.